0: Welcome to the champs app podcast where we help parents and players demystify the world of minor hockey development and recruiting for both girls and boys. On today's episode, I have Sarah Zacharias, who is the head coach at Balmoral hall prep school in Winnipeg, Manitoba. We talk all things player development during their time at Balmoral hall. We also talk about the similarities and differences between prep schools in Canada compared to those in the United States. And finally. Sarah shares her role in helping her seniors all find a place to play at the next level when they graduate. I really enjoyed this conversation with Sarah, and I hope you do too. Before we get to our guest, if you like this episode and want us to make more of them, please share it with friends and teammates. You can also follow, subscribe, and like, and even better, it would be great if you could leave us a review. Now, let's drop the puck and get to the show. I am delighted to have Sarah Zacharias from Balmoral Hall Prep Hockey. It is a prep school in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and she is the head coach there. Uh, Welcome, Sarah.
1: Hi, Ray. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here today.
0: So excited to have you. Um, Well, as we kick off, why don't you just give us a little bit of your hockey history and how you got to be the head coach of the Balmoral Hall Blazers?
1: Yeah, thanks. It's a pretty cool story. I'm actually back working here at Balmoral Hall. This is my alma mater. I uh, graduated from Balmoral Hall in 2008 um, after playing for the prep team that I now coach. Uh, Following my high school career here at BH, I went on to play division one hockey for Niagara University, Uh, they have since folded, uh, they folded actually the year that I graduated but I had a tremendous experience playing division one hockey uh, through college and then came home, I graduated with a degree in in sciences thinking I was going to go on to med school. Uh, but as soon as I came home, I met with the former uh, coach who uh, helped me out to, to get the position here as the assistant coach. And as they say, the rest is history. I fell in love with what I was doing, um, helping players try to achieve the same goals that I once had uh, and that's what I've been doing ever since. So like you said, this is my seventh year now here with the team, uh, but my fourth year as the director of hockey and head coach. And it's just been um, an honor and a, and a privilege to be able to uh, give back to to the girls and um, help some of them realize their, their own goals.
0: So uh, for the listeners who don't know, um maybe give a little bit of background about the team, where they play, um, what you've done the last four years with the team. Um, Cause I know there's been some successes there. So I uh, wanted to get, elaborate a little bit on, on the Blazers. That yeah, you've gotten absolutely.
1: There. Thanks. Yeah. We've, uh, we've been around for 15 seasons. Now uh, the, the, The team started the year before I joined so it's been around for quite some time in in the world of prep hockey at least in Canada Uh, and we joined the JWHL that's the Junior Women's Hockey League uh, that's comprised of teams all across North America so we have teams in Boston, uh, North American Hockey Academies in our league that would be a team that's very well known at least in the American uh, cities Uh, and then teams in Canada like Ridley College, Pacific Steelers, uh, and, and just kind of all over uh, North America, and basically our team goes to different uh, league weekends, which also uh, amount as showcase weekends for us. So we'll go to Boston a few times a year, where we'll get to play against all the other teams within our league, uh, as well as showcase our skills to all of the scouts that we invite out to come in and watch us play. Uh, on top of that, we'll go to various um, you know highly reputable showcase tournaments throughout the season as well, being things like the Naha tournament, the Naha Labor Day Classic that happens in August, as well as the Junior Women's Hockey League uh, Challenge Cup, which happens in Washington DC in, in January each year. So those are tournaments that we're uh, able to be a part of because of our league. Uh, it's really incredible league to be a part of very competitive. You have really top end uh, players and, And teams every day you have to show up and be willing to battle and fight to get wins Uh, and we were really excited two years ago in 2018 for the first time in our program history we we won the JWHL uh, and that was an overtime win against Naha who's probably our biggest rival Uh, it's a lot of fun playing against them they're one of the strongest teams and from the American standpoint we tend to be one of the stronger teams from the uh, Canadian side of our league so it's always a good game when we match up against them Uh, and otherwise You know, our our history of of this program has really evolved over these last 15 years. Um, We have seen over 20 players go and play for their national team, most of them being Canadians. But we've had a Czech player that's gone on to play for her Czech national team. We've seen over 84 of our graduates go on to play post-secondary college hockey on scholarships, whether that be NCAA Division I. U sport here in Canada, Um, and overall, over $6 million of scholarships have been awarded to those 84 grads, which is a huge number when you um, look at uh, that breaking down just amongst 84 players. So we're really proud of the program and the, successes that our players have had and the biggest one as of late was that uh, at the last olympics we had our first ever um bh grad play uh for team canada at the olympics and that was my former teammate bailey bram so it was a pretty uh full circle moment for me to to see a player that i grew up playing with and then playing against in college because we played in the same conference in the cha uh to watch her go and, and put on the canadian jersey uh at the highest level that all all women Uh, dream of, of getting to, and very few actually uh, get that opportunity. So that's just a a little bit of history of uh, BH kind of in a nutshell for you.
0: That's awesome. Um, So most importantly, uh, can you explain to me what a blazer is?
1: (laughs) That is such a good question. And uh, one that is, it's uh, debated constantly because if you see our crest that we have here, uh, our, our, Slogan is maloria Pentence, which means seeking better things. Uh, and it's the banners held by a, a blazer or an eagle. Um, but we also, for our school uniforms, we wear blazers to school. Um, our prefects wear white blazers and then regular students wear green blazers, but that's a part of our, our number one uniform is what they call it. So um, the blazer itself is argued that, is it the blazer jacket that the girls wear? Is it the eagle on our logo? Or is it the fact that uh, they believe the, that Balmoral Hall girls are trailblazers and that we try to set the uh, precedent for women everywhere. And uh, I think there's, there's arguments and, and strengths and weaknesses about each one. So my personal, just because of, of, I'm the hockey coach and I wear the, the crest is I, I think it's the, the, the bird. I think it's the blazers, the Eagle, but um, that's, I guess, to be determined. And nobody really knows. <laughs>
0: <laughs> great. Great. Um, so, Talk to me about uh, playing girls hockey or playing prep school hockey in Manitoba or Canada um, and how that is similar and how it's different from, you know, what we see in terms of the club and the prep school programs in the U.S. and the boarding schools in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely lots of similarities. I think more similarities than differences between Canadian and American prep programs and and, and boarding schools that offer um, maybe uh, sport options. So, you know, our, our girls have the regular school day, just like any other student at our school would. Um, probably one of the only differences is that they get to leave school a little early, one hour early every day to, to get on the ice for hockey. Um, and because of that, they get to miss phys ed. They don't take phys ed at our school because they get so many hours um, in on the ice every single day with us. But that's pretty similar to what I think most American prep school programs do. Um, I, I there's it's it's different from program to program and province to province and, and country to country so I know that there are lots of prep programs that run you know half school days where they're online classes or they do correspondence courses uh and focus on a, a, a bigger majority of their time on the ice perhaps um and we don't necessarily believe that that's the best route at least from a female perspective um I'm I'm not venturing to say that I'm an expert in the male game, but I do know that there is a lot more financial revenue available for male hockey players that play at the highest level. That's, you know, obvious. Uh, For females, it's a little bit more the idea of hockey being almost a means to an end you you look at your opportunities from the game of hockey and they're all going to amount to you potentially getting to have a scholarship for university and if you're lucky to play further than that playing on one of your national teams is great but it's never going to be a full-time job at least not in the in the current climate that we're at right now hopefully things are going to progress and and change it's 2020 things are moving in the right direction but at the moment women don't have the ability to Earn a, a full time income um, and a, and a comfortable lifestyle off of playing the game of hockey. So I think most girls try to look at this as, as an opportunity to play at the highest level, advance their their a- athletic abilities to potentially play on on a national team one day. But further than that is it's really the, the the backbone of of the development of female hockey is to get a good education so that one day when you are finished playing the game, you're going to have an incredible career to fall back on. So I think that's where our school really focuses our our energy on developing them first as as students. And, and um, I say 1A, 1B. Uh, our school would say first as students, second as athletes, but we're trying to develop them in that full, full picture. Um, so the the big difference, though, when we look at the bigger picture of Canadian to American um, prep programs is I think the idea that American programs really focus a lot of their attention on watching players at a younger age. Um, lots of colleges will recruit players younger and younger. And and I mean, the pendulum kind of swings in, in this rule. And I've seen it happen as a player when I was growing up to where I am now coaching that uh, more and more kids are getting recruited at a younger age. Um, Now there's some new rules that are in place with the NCAA that is going to change that. So the pendulum will start to swing back the other way. We will see that in the next couple of years, but right now colleges are uh, or have been recruiting players and at least verbally committing to players at very young ages uh, as young as grade seven and eight. So in America, a lot of these prep programs will break down their teams to a U 19 level and then a U 16 level, or even a U 14 level where You'll see colleges go and watch the U16 players and work on committing them there. And then by the time they get to the U19 level, it's more about their development to get them ready for that transition to the college game. Um, That's quite different in Canada. In Canada, most of the U19 teams that you'll see have players that are in either grade 9 or grade 10. Um, and grade 11 and 12. Myself, our team, every year, we have grade 9s, grade 10s, grade 11s, and 12s, uh, and, and a mixed bag of all of them. I would say probably, uh, you know, 25% in each grade, whereas the teams that we play when we go and play against our American teams, like Naha, for example, we play in the U19 division of, of the JWHL. So it's their U19 team, which is all grade 12s and maybe a handful of grade 11s. Their U16 team will have all of their grade nines and tens. So our difference is that we carry younger players on our rosters. That's one of the big differences that we'll see. Um, and I think there's some benefits to that and, and benefits to playing at your own age. So for the American side, when you're on the U16 level, you might be the best player on the ice as a grade nine and it's easy for colleges to see that. Whereas in, for Canadian teams, if you're the grade nine and you're playing with grade 12s or against a U19 team that might even have a post-grad player, you're playing against 20-year-olds, you might not be the best player on the ice, but you're playing against the best, so you're developing better skills uh, and and probably going to become a better player down the road because of those challenges. I think that's probably, in my opinion, the biggest difference between the U.S. and the Canadian uh, programs. And then how that affects the the recruiting standpoint, it really just depends on each college and, and all of their scouts and what they're watching. Most uh, D- division one coaches are aware of that difference. So they know when they're watching a, uh, a U16 American team and they're watching a grade nine really stand out on the ice, that's to be expected. But if they're watching a Canadian team and they're watching a grade nine player, they know that she's not going to be, uh, you know, lights out the best kid on the ice. But if you put her with her own, peers at her own age she probably would be the best kid out there so it's just something that they're aware of and um are cognizant when they're watching to keep that in mind i think that would be uh, at least in my opinion probably the biggest difference
0: Great, great all right so let, let's focus now on actual development of your players at balmoral hall mm-hmm. so like at a really basic level um you know, say over a two-week period, one week where week where you it's a game week, and another week where there is no games. Talk to me about what training that they are doing on ice and off ice. How many hours? Where is it at? Um, who is it with? That would be really helpful for for folks to understand. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Uh, it is very, very uh, extensive, comprehensive and very involved. Um, so for a normal week for us, uh, we try to give them Mondays off and that really works well for when we travel. Uh, like I said, we play in the JWHL, so we don't play home games very often. If we do play any at all, it's one weekend a year. Uh, otherwise, we're flying everywhere we go. We don't have any bus trips. we we're, it's impossible. You can't get to Boston fast enough from Winnipeg on a bus. So we fly to where we're going. So when we're traveling, we leave on a Thursday morning, uh, fly out, play two games, Fridays, two games, Saturdays, one game, Sunday, and then fly back home. They're arriving home, you know, well past midnight. Uh, they need Monday to to rest and they're still expected to be at school on Monday. So it's not like it's a full day off for them, but we just don't have practices or workouts on Mondays um, so that they can get uh, get well rested and get uh, back to ca- back and caught up on all of their assignments from school. Then for uh, you know Tuesdays it's on ice and in the gym uh, we leave school a little early to get onto the uh, ice for an hour an hour and a half a day uh, and then right after our practices they're they're up in the gym um, at our facility. Our facility is where the Winnipeg Jets practice. Um, so the workout room that we use is where the Jets will uh, will train as well. So we have really top end gear and equipment up there for, for them and good trainers that we that work with us that also work with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but on ice for us on, on Tuesdays, it's all about skill development. So we break our ice down into six or eight stations, you know, two players at a station and we're working on... Any type of skill that we work on, it's all about repetitions um, to get them as many, as many puck touches as we can. Uh, So that's usually what Tuesdays look like for us. Wednesdays, yoga in the morning, practice and workout afterwards. Thursdays, they get a sleep in practice and then work out. Uh, and then always on Friday, Saturday, Sundays, if we're not traveling, we'll either have an exhibition game against a team within Winnipeg, uh, which tends to be our triple A teams here uh, within the Winnipeg uh, hockey league. Um, where, Is that boys or to, girls? Girls. We, okay. we tend to uh, win you know, we should be winning all of those games, um, or most of them, for for that matter. We we are stronger programs than than what the AAA uh, has to offer here. Um, but it's still very competitive hockey, and it's awesome chance for a lot of our girls to play against some of their friends that they grew up playing with. So it's it's always fun to do that. And then if we're not playing an exhibition game uh, on Sundays, we do our our skill days. So we'll have uh, you know two and a half hours of ice, and we split them up into smaller groups. So we'll have uh, you know, maybe eight of them on the ice for an hour, and that 's a really great chance for us to work on their individual skill development because as any good coach will know you're you 're basically ba basing your skill assessments off of your full team, your positions, and then your individual players' strengths and weaknesses. So as a coach, I need to be able to identify each one of my defenders, what they're doing well on the ice and where their deficiencies are, and then make the adjustments needed to to correct those and offer them the opportunity to get better. Uh, And the way that you do that is in small group settings. It's really tough as, as teams to give that individual attention to a player when you have 19 players on an ice and you're trying to run the flow of practice and keep everybody moving. But when you break it down and you only have eight kids on the ace with two or three coaches, it's really easy to take one player or two players and pull them aside and work with them for 20, 30 minutes on whatever their um, deficiencies are. Or sometimes you you want to pump the kids up and you want to work on their strengths and make them feel a little bit more confident and, and continue to grow those areas as well. So um, I, I think... One of the big differences that we'll see from our program that I'm seeing from a lot of different programs in in Manitoba and and across Canada um, is our focus on individual skill development, um, as opposed to the idea of uh, winning at all costs. I really don't spend as much time as most coaches do on our power play, on our breakout, on our neutral zone four check. Um, And that's much to the dismay of, of many. I get lots of dads, especially that tell me, oh, well you know we got to spend more time on our power play cuz we always have parents watching practices and i say you know it might not be the best power play setup in october but because we're working on fundamental and technical skills all year long by march by playoffs we're going to have the best power play in the league because we have all of the foundations needed to be able to execute that power play um, well, actually, and that, a big that's, part that's, of where...
0: sorry that's Go a ahead. good point though how do no, how do you, how do you... How do you um, draw the line between development versus winning over the course of the season?
1: Yeah, I think, um, so I've been fortunate to work with uh, both Hockey Manitoba and Hockey Canada for my last seven years. And I'm actually um, one of Hockey Canada's female mentor coach developers for, for our country right now. And that's been a really great eye-opening experience for me um, to see what Hockey Canada is really trying to implement and, and promote across our country for player development. Um, and it's, it's something that, it really is going to take a lot of buy in from more coaches uh, because right now there is just such a heavy emphasis on um, the idea of, of winning. Um, and, and that's creating all of these short-term goals and, and short-term visions and then long-term problems for players. We have drawbacks and setbacks of kids that don't have proper foundational fundamentals, good motor abilities, good flexibilities, all of those things that we're seeing because they're focused, their coaches are focused on their power play and on their breakout. And that's really not important. My, what I try to remind my, my, uh, when I do these clinics and I teach other coaches, um, it's a really good benchmark is, If you're not getting paid to be a coach, if your livelihood doesn't depend on winning games, then winning shouldn't matter. If you're not Paul Maurice with the the Jets, if you're not, you know, whoever else in the AHL, in a college environment where your job is to win hockey games and win championships so that you can keep your job, then winning shouldn't matter to you. And that even goes for myself. This is my job. But my, my bosses don't care if I win games. They care that I develop my players. They care that my, my kids get better. And they care that they get opportunities to go off and, and play at the next level. Um, so it's just a really, uh, it's easy for me to say that because I have the, the support that I need for my school to, that really allows me to focus on player development. But I also feel that in, it inadvertently also affects the, the way that my players respond. They know that I don't care about winning games. So it just takes the pressure off of them. We could be playing against Naha, one of the best teams we play every year, or we could be playing against a triple A team within the city that we should win all the time. I don't care if we win or lose. I care that we're working hard. I care that we develop our skills. I care that we're we're getting better and better each each game. And then that takes the pressure off of them to, to, to win and, and to meet my expectations and to to, uh, meet their parents' expectations even. So it's, since I started implementing that, it's been just an unbelievable change in the culture of how our team functions and how we perceive, uh, wins and losses. When we lose games after games in the dressing room, we're talking about what, what are we learning from it? What did we do wrong? What are we going to work on when we get back? That's another thing that I do as a coach that I think people are shocked by. I get input from my players. Let's hear what do, what do you want to work on? What do you think we did wrong? It's not just about me. It's about all of us as a unit. So, uh, it's really been remarkable for me. So I couldn't, if, if I could give one take home for any coach watching this today, um, it's to take the, the element of winning out, out of your whole repertoire and it'll really fundamentally change the way that you coach.
0: So, um, if I'm a parent thinking about sending their kid to come play at Balmoral Hall and, and go to school at Balmoral Hall, um, What would the expectation be in terms of how you work with that player over three or four years Um, where they kind of benchmarking wherever they come in, Where, where should they expect to, what would the plan look like for that three or four years of development?
1: Absolutely. Great question. Um, I like that you say three or four years too, because that's exactly what we, how long I want to work with players. I I really enjoy taking kids in at the younger ages in grade nine or 10, because I feel like the longer time I get with them, the more outcome we'll see at the end. Um, but we basically break it down to three different pillars that we look for, um, like objective changes that we can see so one is is academically um they'll receive the top education in canada they'll receive all of the supports that they need whether it be for university guidance whether it be for sat act prep for students that are looking to go to the states in canada we don't do standardized testing the same way that americans do so uh we need to really prep our hockey players to know what to expect when they get into the sat room and they have to take that Uh, monstrous four-hour, five-hour exam, whatever it was. I've blocked it out because it was (laughs) awful. But uh, we work very extensively on our academics, so you'll see improvements there regardless of your – you know, intellectual abilities just coming to our school. We certainly found that all of our girls have come in and received higher marks by the time they left our program to the time that they started. Uh, and then obviously athletically, uh, that is a whole umbrella of stuff that we're looking at. Um, whether it be their technical skills, our development on their puck handling, skating, passing, shooting, uh, checking skills, one on one battles, whether it be their hockey IQ uh, ability to read plays, to and make anticipation to look one or two plays ahead to what's happening that's a really um, tough skill to to acquire and even a tougher skill to teach but that's something that we aim to do with all of our players and a really big way that we utilize and and do that is based off of um, video something that I can't stress enough how, how important that is for coaches to use um, to be able to watch yourself in the moment in the game. Um, it's tough to do it in the heat of the moment when you have to make a decision in a split second, it's a lot easier when you're looking back on the video afterwards and you can break it down frame by frame and see what went wrong. Did I not shoulder check there? Did I hold on to the puck too long? Did my partner not call for that pass quick enough, whatever it is. And then you make your adjustments and changes that way. Um, and, and then, Another big component that we work on for players that I think is it's an intangible that's um, really tough to, to um, pinpoint, but it's confidence in, in the female game. It's really, really tough to play well if you're not playing confidently. Uh, and so, what I really try to encourage our players to do is is to um, take the pressure off of, of trying to impress coaches, impress scouts, or impress you know myself, uh, and focus on. Do they feel confident? Do they believe that they can do this? Because if they think they can or they think they can't, they're right. Um, And so, again, it's just going back to trying to build up our players, teach them those proper mindsets and those good habits. We do a lot of work with um, uh, either – uh, like mental skills coaches, we have a, a meeting on Friday with um, a psychologist who's an, another alum from the school. Um, we meet with her every Friday to talk about mental mind checks. How do we, how are we mentally astute in our game, and and making sure that we're being positive with our frame of mind? We work on skills like parking, leaving you know bad shifts behind you. Don't think about them in the heat of the game. We can get back to that and deal with it later. But we focus on the next shift at one shift at a time. So that's another element that I think. It's not easy to write that in in a report card, let's say, like your confidence is through the roof right now. But that's an area that I think a lot of our players would say that they've really gained. Um, good insight and value, and and that and that goes back to inherently they have to believe that they can do it, and that confidence doesn't come from somebody else. I can teach them and, and pr- give them all the praise in the world, but if they aren't confident in their own abilities, it's not going to translate. Um, so that would be probably the full scope of the umbrella for for the on ice uh, athletic piece, um, and then the the final pillar. Then I think this is the most important one for for me um, is the character, it, the the idea that we're working. I don't. I, I'm going to send off better athletes, better students, but I need to make sure that I'm sending when these girls get ready for that college level, I'm sending them off as the best people that they could possibly be, be good Samaritans, supportive, considerate, conscientious, and, and um, self-assured in, in their
0: own abilities. Nice. Nice. So as they approach the end of their career at Balmoral Hall, um, r- r- what role do you play as the coach uh, or the coaching staff in helping them figure out what's next? Um, you know, specifically, you know, uh, youth sports or the, the Canadian University women's hockey programs in Canada, or uh, potentially going south of the border to uh, schools in the United States.
1: Yeah, I'd say I, I wear all different hats while while here at, at BH. Obviously, my first one is as a head coach, but I'm also um, 17 players, different uh, player agents, basically. Um, so I do a lot of the work with, uh, with recruiting for our girls, and that starts from the time um, they come here. Actually, I would say it even starts before then. I, I get lots of colleges that call me, and just yesterday I was talking with a school that was talking to me about um, 07s and 08s. And that's crazy to think that we're talking about kids that are that young. They're not even at my school or a part of my program yet. Um, But I know all of those kids, at least within Manitoba, because that's what I'm doing too. I'm also recruiting and watching younger kids to see who are the top players that are going to be coming up and uh, eventually one day playing for me as, as a Blazer. So when those schools call me, I'm giving them the insight on the top kids in Manitoba that are at the you know, late peewee, early bantam ages um, before they even come to, to me. And some of them don't end up even coming to BH, let's say, but that does, does, doesn't change the fact that I wanna promote women's hockey for, for all girls to have an opportunity. So that's where it starts is even before kids come to BH, I'll, I'll often be recruiting for them just because I'm a part of Hockey Canada and Hockey Manitoba. And I think a lot of scouts uh, understand that I know uh, the, the full picture of what's going on here in our province. Uh, and then when they get here, it, it starts early. Uh, it's a lot of conversations with different uh, programs. And, and now, and from an American standpoint, um, it's changed since the new rules were implemented in 2019 about how coaches can um, recruit and, and, and how early they can talk to players. So that has certainly changed things. But overall, they can send general um, interests and, and uh, questionnaires for players to answer. So we can get an idea of, uh which schools are interested in which players. Uh and then come June 15th. Uh for my grade 10s, for example, I'll I'll be spending uh my full day, I'm sure, on the phone answering calls from all the different schools that are interested in all the different players. Uh, and then from there we start to short shortlist and, and look through all of the pros and cons for You know, everything from how far is it away from home? Uh, Is it an Ivy League school where there's not a full ride potential, but it's financial aid? Uh, is it a big school is it a state school like Penn State where there's 30,000 or is it a smaller school like Niagara where mine was a 3500 undergrad population where all of my professors knew me by name and came to the hockey games Um, there's all all these different pros and cons um, and and information that these players will have to decide and it's different for each player for every kid has different needs Um, I think of my goalie a few years ago Corinne Schroeder who came from Elm Creek Manitoba which Nobody knows where Elm Creek is because it's a population of 200, and she's at Boston University in a huge campus in a huge program um, in her fourth year starting goalie loving loving life. Uh, And that was really important for her was she wanted to go to a big school in a big city to get that experience because she didn't have it there growing up. Um, So every kid is different. But for, for us, it starts really young with our girls and then all the way through to, to grade 12. Um, and then once they are signed and committed, it's prepping them now for those next steps of how, what are the coaches looking for? I spend a great deal of time after my kids have committed talking with the coaches to see what what role do you want them filling in? What, what skills do you need them to be improving on before they get there? What are the things that you wanna see me working on with them so that I can make them the most well-rounded player um, by the time they get to you and then even past that after they've gone on again just yesterday I was on the phone with a, a college that was talking with me about a player that's in her second year with them um her and I had a really great relationship and he just wanted some advice for how he could uh get through to her about some some stuff that was going on and I love that that the fact that my my girls have graduated on she hasn't been in our program for two years but still I'm connected with her um through the coach that she's working with now uh it's different for Canadian and, and American schools as you as you're well aware uh, because American schools are just recruiting at a younger younger age in Canada for U sport most schools are recruiting girls in their grade 11 or grade 12 year so for example, we'll have, uh, we have six girls that are going U sport next year and in grade 12 uh, with us. And so that recruiting process starts a little later um, for a lot of them, it didn't start until this, this grade 12 year for, for schools showing interest. Uh, and that's just the difference between the programs and what they're able to, to offer. Um, there's a lot more resources and revenue available for NCAA than there is for U sport. So the, the top end U sport uh, schools uh, they can compete with American schools, but for the most part, they have to wait until those uh, grade 10, grade 11, D1 kids commit before they can start looking through uh, what's left to make their their uh, decisions.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, and so that kind of also then gets into the reality of where we are today, which is COVID affecting recruiting and affecting uh, ice time and things like that. So how, how has COVID affected you guys both uh, on the ice and off ice in terms of recruiting um, for, for this season?
1: Yeah, it's it's just so many unknowns right now with COVID. I think that's the best way that I can surmise this is this- It's just so unknown. This is unprecedented. I have dealt with lots of different changes in the environment in the hockey world, but nothing like this um, has ever come close to something like this. So the unknown and the uncertainty, I think, was keeping me up at night to be, to be quite frank, early on when this was happening, I wasn't sure how is this going to affect our players? Um, you know, the girls that I have that are in, in the States right now that I was skating with all summer, they weren't sure if they were going to be able to go back to, you know, UConn, St. Cloud, you, any, any of the schools that they're at right now. Um, it it was just really scary and, and uncertain. So the, the way that it's affected us on ice is obviously right I mean right now we're not skating at the moment because of the restrictions for our province we're hoping that come January that will get cleared and we'll get back to, to playing um, and it's affected different areas of the world at different moments so um, I'm hoping that we'll get back to, to the green light to play soon, um, but. Regardless of that, I feel like overall, the the fact that everything has been postponed has extended the eligibility for a lot of uh, fourth year in the in the States and fifth year in, in Canada players. So I think that was a concern of mine is, are those players going to come back next year and then create a bottleneck for the graduating girls this year, this 2021 class? Are they not going to have as many opportunities to go off and play next year Uh especially the 2021 class, but even 2022, 23, 24, um, it's going to have a four-year effect long-term. But right now I'm I'm really happy to see that, again, I think it goes back to the idea that at the end of the day, hockey is a means to an end for education. What I'm seeing is a lot of those senior players are still – making that decision to move on and and whether it's to go and play professional hockey in Europe or, or in the States or to just move on to their master's degree, uh, their post, if they're going to med school or law school or any, or even just starting their careers. There's lots of student athletes that are making that decision to continue on and not come back for that um, fifth or, or, or sixth year. Um, it's also really hard on the body to play college hockey. So I think some of them are just like, yeah, we're, we're ready to hang them up and move on to, to uh, b- bigger and better things. Um, so at least from my standpoint, I've seen in the last uh, two months all of my grade twelves are now committed uh, and and have homes to go to next year. So for me personally, that means I can sleep easy over the holidays, knowing that um, all of my girls are accounted for and, and have good homes to go off to. Uh, and so then- just just to cl-
0: just to clarify, Sarah, does that mean all your players are going to go play uh, college hockey or university hockey somewhere next year? Is that was that yeah. uh, that's great?
1: Yeah, it is, and it, it, it's really great. That's You know, an expectation that I have every year, um, but it's obviously extremely um, means even more this year given the current circumstances. Because I know there's a lot of other prep programs here in Manitoba and AAA programs here in Manitoba that are not sending their players off, uh, or at least at the moment, unfortunately.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, And. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The JWHL season is on hold until all this is done. Uh, this is cleared up. So are you hoping or anticipating that, that some type of season will take place or is that uh, in question?
1: Oh, yeah, well, we have uh, JWHL uh, updates every second week with all the coaches, which is really nice because our league is so, we we are so close. I'm, I'm actually friends with all of the coaches that I coach against, um, which I think most of our players think it's awesome because after the games, coaches are always laughing and, and talking even before games between periods. We're very easygoing with each other, which I think is a very stark contrast to what most most players see when coaches face off uh, before a game. But we've are we we're been in, in contact Immensely throughout the season, about what our different plans are. And Cush um, with the Washington Pride, he's uh, one of the founders of the league, and he's really spearheaded this idea of uh, looking ahead and, and making plans A, B, th- see through Z right now. We have so many different options that we're looking at and whether we get to play in the States this year, um, I would say that that's likely not going to happen, but we have hopes of whether it's going to be just Canadian teams playing against each other while American teams play against each other. Um, the idea of pushing the league further if we don't start until you know February well then we'll play until June this year um we have the uh flexibility in, in that regard so uh, it's certainly not like any other year uh but I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to um salvage something uh and and if not then we just start planning ahead for for next year's season of what that's going to look like too and I mean knock on wood that things go well with this vaccine that They, uh, you know, are saying 95% effective and hopefully um, we'll be able to resume to some sense of normalcy uh, come 2021, 2022
0: season. Yeah, Uh, Amen. Hopefully that happens (laughs) sooner than later. Um, All right. This has been awesome, Sarah. So one last question for you. So what advice would you give parents who are trying to figure out the the right path for their player uh, in terms of prep school, club? hockey, just general, being just on a, on a college hockey path, what, what advice would you give?
1: That's a great question. I tell this to every single family that I talk to, uh, whether it's, you know, young players coming in, because we have an academy for younger players. So I have families that are, have students that are young as grade five um, coming through and, and as old as grade, grade 12. Um, I say the same message to everybody. Every player will will have a, a a niche that they are looking to fill. Every kid, every student is gonna have different needs. Likewise for when they go off to university, they're gonna have all these different options that they have to choose from. One option is gonna be the right fit for them. It might be ball moral hall. It might be a, another program. I'm happy either way. I want I want girls to be able to make their in, informed decision uh, to follow their dreams, whichever way they, they choose to do that. So my advice to parents is do your homework. Look into as many different programs as you can. It's not good enough to just call up the first hockey team that you know of and say, yeah, we want to sign here. Call up seven of them. If you live in an area, know all of the closest 10 different hockey programs that there are available and call each one of them. Um, Parents might not know this, but a lot of programs are restricted in what they can do in terms of uh, player recruiting. um, And it's to protect the other leagues that are within uh, different uh divisions so for hockey manitoba for example i can't go out and call every single family that i'm interested in those families have to reach out to me Um, that's different again from state to state and country to country but uh, i think the easiest solution to that is just you as a parent pick up the phone and call the coach or call the team and see is is there spots available and 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 if so start to learn more and more about each of these programs and what they have to offer Um, and then at the end of the day, keep this in the back of your head that eventually hockey will come to an end and your daughter is going to have to go out into the workforce uh, and, and have a good background and a good education to fall back on when that hockey chapter of her life ends and she re- is ready to move on to the next next step. So keep that in, in mind when you're making these decisions that um, hockey isn't the, the be all end all. And it's absolutely important and it's going to open so many doors for so many women. Um, but really, you should focus just as much attention on the school when you're t- talking to, to different coaches and pro- programs. You want that combination of, of school first and, and hockey close second.
0: nice nice well sarah i want to thank you so much this has been awesome very informative i I know i learned a lot as a uh, (laughs) as a parent um and i wish you best of luck as you kind of navigate what's going on this season and hopefully you'll get back on the ice in the new year
1: yeah thanks ray it's been really great chatting with you and uh thanks for the opportunity to to hear my two cents for whatever it's worth i just hope that uh it resonates with some parent out there and that they're able to uh help their daughter make the best educated decision going forward.
0: I'm sure it will. And, and I, if nothing else it helped me, then I'm sure it'll help a whole bunch of other parents. So thanks again, Sarah. Thanks Ray. I really want to thank Sarah Zacharias for coming on the podcast today. I learned a whole bunch about girls prep school hockey, and I hope you did too. And remember, if you got something out of today's podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you'd like follow subscribe and leave us a review so we can help share this important hockey information with folks just like you.